You're listening to Knowing Faith, a podcast of Training the Church. All right. Hey, everyone. Uh, We wanted to just record a special episode. uh, And so we have recorded a couple other episodes today. And this is a special release episode if you're listening to it. But we wanted to just release it because there's there's been a big report that's been released. We've commented it on this release before. Um, It has come out uh, over the last few years. Do you remember when they started doing this, JT? Do you remember what year it was? I think it was 2016. I could be misremembering that. sounds right to me. I think that's that's what it was. Uh, So what we're talking about is Ligonier's state of theology. And if you're not familiar with this report, that's okay. Um, We don't uh, uh, anticipate that our whole audience is always tuned in to like the latest uh, theological reporting that's out there. But the state of theology has been a fairly reliable bellwether and just kind of like, uh, you know, diagnostic report, for lack of a better phrase, on just where... Christian theology is at a popular level and understanding in the global West specifically, including America. And so let me just give you some of the findings of the state of theology in 2022. So again, this is a, um, this is a survey aimed at evangelicals. Okay. So the survey categorized, uh, was targeted for evangelicals. If they had these four following beliefs, if they strongly agreed with them. So they were only surveying people who said, I believe these four things strongly. The Bible is the highest authority for what I believe. Okay. It's very important for me to personally encourage non-Christians to trust Jesus Christ as their savior. Jesus Christ's death on the cross is the only sacrifice that could remove the penalty of my sin. Only those who trust in Jesus Christ alone as their Savior receive God's free gift of eternal salvation. So that was who was being surveyed. So out of that group of people that that say, I strongly believe these four things, (laughs) listen to some of these numbers, okay? Almost three out of four agree with the claim that Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. Okay. Okay. Just that's an alarm. I'm not going to make it every time, but that's the, that's what I'm saying after I say every one of these more than half 58% believe that God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, Islam, more than half believe the Holy spirit is a force, but is not a personal being more than half agree that everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature Mm -hmm. more than half uh, uh, agree with the claim that even the small uh, uh, disagree with the claim that even the smallest sin deserves eternal damnation. More than half agree that worshiping alone or with one's family is a valid replacement for regularly attending church. More than one in four disagree that every Christian has an obligation to join a local church. Almost half say that Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. Mm-hmm. What? Almost one third agreed with the statement that God learns and adapts to different circumstances. (laughs) Guys, everything's fine. It's going to be fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. (laughs) COVID didn't impact any of this either. This had nothing to do with it. Yeah. The worship in your jammies with your families. If you you had to sum up this report, (laughs) it literally could be dumpster fires, exactly what I'm thinking. Just a gist of a. Of a trash can on fire. How I want to, we're, we're not going to spend a long time here. Three questions. Okay. How on earth did we get here? We got more Bibles. We got more resources. There are, the global West has more access 
to the global and historic faith and what it says and what it definitely doesn't say than any group of people in the whole history of humanity, period. Not just pure, like exclamation point. So how did we get here? What does this actually say about where we're at? And where do we go from here? Those are the three questions. So Jen, just start us. How did we, how did we get here? Uh, well, you know, from my vantage point, it's because we are curators of opinions about a book that we don't trouble ourselves to read. Hmm. Um, I think that um, we have been happy to receive passively from experts um, and perceived ourselves to be amateurs. And our amateuristic approach is beginning to show. And, and so, you know, you think about, um, I mean, just simple things like Jesus' own claims about who he is mm-hmm. um, that you would have to either not be aware of or have forgotten to be able to get to a place where you would say, yeah, I value the Bible, but I'm going to now actively contradict it as I answer a survey. Exactly. Right. Um, So I'm going to play the Bible literacy card and say that this is due in large part to the fact that we have professionalized Bible reading Mm -hmm. um, and um, and or that we have uh, or or so heavily uh, devotionalized it that people are only receiving it in in bite sized pieces. Um, and I think that's that's one of the biggest factors playing into this. But I have a feeling that JT will have another vantage point for us. Well, I don't have another vantage point in the sense of disagreement, but maybe just another yeah. side of the coin. Yeah. I, I agree with the Bible literacy challenge and the expert amateur divide that exists in the life of the church. Maybe a couple more things is, is we've also just basically said in the life of the church, theology doesn't matter. How many right. times have you guys heard a sermon yep. where it's something like, hey, the, the- theologians, those guys were the Pharisees. Anybody want to be like those guys? Nope. Okay, then just love God. And you know, like it preaches really well. It's just really stupid. It's just not mm-hmm. true. The Pharisees were never commended for their knowledge of God. Instead, Jesus condemns them for their ignorance of the Bible. How could you mm-hmm. claim to be a teacher of God's word and yet not know these things? The Pharisees do not know things. They actually are ignorant, and they're just really proud about it. And it turns out that's a lot of evangelicals also. Uh, but I'd also say one of the things that we need to talk about here, and this this in no way lets the church off the hook. We're 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 talking, and we're not talking about other churches. We're talking about our churches, our ministries. Mm-hmm. This is yep. we are. At, this represents storyline. This represents TVC. This represents mosaic. This is who we are. We are swimming in these waters. So this isn't. We're not trying to. Yeah, we're uh, not throwing kind of, stones. No, we're not at all. Uh, but I also think there's a sociological thing at play here, where the evangelical identity yeah. has been broadened to mean something sociologically that it doesn't mean theologically. And that's not okay. Right now, evangelicalism is used as a sociological term to identify sometimes a political ideology or a set of certain beliefs about our country. or And, and we need to reclaim an evangelical identity that's much, much broader, that's much more global, and that has theological commitments that come before other sociological or political commitments that I think mm-hmm. we have tended to lose and water down over the last few decades. Yeah, I agree with both of those. I'll just compliment what you guys are saying by, in my mind, there is a family discipleship concern here as well, which is that Christian families have a responsibility to catechize their children. Yeah. That has not, that is not a, while it feels novel, there's all these kind of new catechism approaches and bundles and packages. Listen, I do not care how you do this, but if you are a Christian parent, I want to encourage and exhort you to pick up a catechism. There are so many good ones. Just find one and start folding it into your family discipleship. It doesn't have to be rocket science. You don't even have to know 
all the answers to the questions. You don't even have to know all the background to the answers to the questions. Catechism is about putting some structure in, some pegs in, that then can be filled in later. And so I just think that part of what this represents is the abysmal failure of the church to catechize its people, which is what you were getting at, JT, mm-hmm. and a concern that, well, if the church isn't catechizing its people, its people are not catechizing their children. Can you define catechesis for us, Kyle? Well, catechesis would be a system of instruction that Mm -hmm. typically relies on a structure of Q and A for the purposes of helping uh, historically illiterate people or Mm -hmm. people who could not yet read begin to dwell on, contemplate, meditate, or memorize uh, truths about something. But for Christian purposes, it's God and his story. So it's just a pedagogical device that's used for systematic instruction along a clearly defined scope and sequence of what the Christian story is, Christian belief is, and Christian formation is typically structured in a Q&A format. Yeah, so this goes back to, you know, one of the things that I'll say a lot about Bible literacy is that we have been, we have believed or been led to believe that all contact with the Bible is beneficial. Like it doesn't matter on, you know, how I come to it, how I read it. Uh, It's all beneficial because it's God's word and it's inspired by the spirit. And so therefore we're just going to have truth just dropped on us if we encounter it however we wish. And I think the same thing can be said a little for how we think about theology. It's like, I'm going to dabble here and there, or, you know, one topic might interest me at one time or another. And if you think about it, we don't go about uh, content mastery to just use a dry term for what we're talking about here, but we don't go about content mastery of any topic uh, in that way. We would understand that there is an ordered approach to be taken to learning how to be a uh, French chef or a content mm-hmm. mastery approach um, to be learned uh, to, or to be observed if we want to learn how to be a concert pianist or whatever it is, that anything that we want to learn and do with excellence, that we would go about it in an orderly manner, which doesn't mean that there aren't um, ways to dabble in, in topics, but that if you really believe something is mission critical to what you want to do in life, um, you're going to, you're going to put some, some structure to it, um, so that it is as sticky as possible so that it has as long of a, uh, trajectory as possible. And I think when it has, when we've talked about Christian education, we've lost sight of that. Um, and yeah. we've seen, we've seen, um, proximity to the church as sufficient, uh, instead of recognizing that the church needs to play a pivotal role in, um, in giving this kind of structure to people mm-hmm. in a way that they can then also utilize in, the, in their homes. That's right. And That's right. H- hitting on what you just said, Jen, and, and Kyle, going back to even the family discipleship stuff, is one of the best things about not knowing stuff and catechizing your kids or getting up to try to teach a Sunday school class is you learn it when you teach it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. this isn't just about catechizing the next generation, but if you're walking through the New City Catechism or the Heidelberg Catechism or Shorter Catechism, or you're teaching a Christian story class at your church and you feel inadequate, you are exactly where you're supposed to be mm-hmm. because that's when you become an owner of the material. That's when like you are given the, the, the sense of like ownership of uh, this is content, not just for me to say, but content for me to put down into my heart. Uh, I'll never forget that first year that I that we taught the training program, Kyle and Jen, you did a couple lessons for us. Like, I think everybody thought JT must know all of this. Mm-hmm. And the reality was it's like, no, JT I'm out of your office. <laughs> You're in your office, like flipping through. Yeah. yeah. JT is learning all of this as he goes. And so so what we need to like, the, the opportunity here when we look at a state of theology approach isn't just to say, well, 
shucks, we, we failed. Let's not do it anymore. It's really an opportunity for us to say, okay, that means tonight, let's sit down with our kiddos and let's open the New City Catechism for the first time and ask the question, who is God? Or who are we? Or ask the... Mm-hmm. This is the chance for us to, to recommit ourselves to our first principles of saying, we believe the Bible tells us who God is, who we are, what God has done for us in the world, how all things are going to be made new through Jesus, the hope that we have in the future. And for us not to, to know those things in our mind, but to implant them deeply in our hearts is the process of catechism. In the state of the evangelical church, it's ugly right now. It's not good. But that doesn't mean that God can't move powerfully in that moment. And so that's why it's one of the reasons we love doing this podcast is because we mm-hmm. see stuff like this and that keeps giving us our why. Like, okay, that means we need to keep going. It means we need to keep teaching the Bible. It means we need to keep offering curriculum, content, conversations for people to realize who God is and what he's done. Well, I don't know if you felt this way, JT, when you saw it. And I kind of feel this way every time the report comes out. It's like, oh, good. Now we can all, you know, like it's like until you you, you can admit you have a problem, you can't start. What is it they always say? Uh, the <laughs> first right. step to recovery is admitting you admitting have a problem. You have a problem. Right. And so like I feel like in some cases this is a problem that some have been aware of. But, but the more that these kinds of things are broadcast, the more that all of us can be aware of it and we can begin to acknowledge that this problem is not in pockets. It's, it's systemic. And, and I get excited. Like, I guess I'm a little nerdy because when I see those, I'm like, oh, I get to show up for work again tomorrow. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of good work mm-hmm. to be done. Um, because I do think that, um, you know, you're going to see a couple of things. We know every, there's deconstructing, there's people who are leaving the church and that can feel like, oh, the sky is falling. But on the other hand, I think we'll also see a purifying work that happens with those who are um, shown to be true true believers committed to the faith. And that that and my prayer is and my hope is and actually my belief is that they those people will be more committed than previous generations uh, to exactly what we're talking about, that they want to not just feel their faith deeply. They want to know the God of their faith in a way that fuels that that deep feeling. That's really good. That's good. You know, so th- we talked a little bit about where, you know, we talked about what the report is. Yeah. We've talked about kind of how we got here. Where do we go from here? When you read this report, you say, okay, I'm excited to go back on the office. But so our audience is listening to this. Where where are we going? We can mm-hmm. talk about the three of us here and like mm-hmm. what we're doing and why we're doing it um, and some of the things that we're developing. But I think even bigger than that is like, okay, where where do we need to all go as followers of Jesus and specifically those who could be kind of broadly um, lumped into the category of evangelicals. Where, where do we need to go now? Well, I think before you can determine where you need to go, you have to assess where you currently are. So basically, mm-hmm. what has been my contact with the Bible? What has been my contact with Christian thought? Um, even as those who listen to the podcast, I would ask you, is this your only source of conversation about theological matters? Um, do you have face-to-face dialogue partners? Uh, and, and if you're like, no, man, I can't even find one other person who's interested in this. Well, you know, that would be a good place to start is to begin to, uh, first of all, be the first person who is interested in it uh, and see who else turns up when you when you start gathering people for the purpose of having these discussions. You don't have to be an expert in theology. You can be, you know, as I always say, the, in the kingdom of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. Be the one-eyed man, you know, in your church. Be the person who says, I, I'm going to get this um, systematic theology and I'm going to try to start working through it. And does anybody want to yep. be in a book club with me to do it? You know, and, right. and, uh, and then and then surround yourself, you know, with, with resources that can help you um, to have 
have good discussions around it. Um, but I think until we assess, oh, shoot, you know, I actually have only been approaching the Bible devotionally or, oh, I have only been a dabbler in these things, um, then we won't know necessarily what the next important step is. That's right. That's exactly right. Have you ever wondered what is God's heart towards you? In this noisy world, God's heart beats hard with love and mercy. But how can God share his heart with us when he doesn't have our attention? You're invited to spend 100 days discovering the beautiful, merciful heart of God with Overflowing Mercies, a new devotional by Craig Allen Cooper. The Lord is not ashamed of you or quick-tempered toward your faults. Each one of your weaknesses, faults, frailties, and failures does more to arouse God's love than to stir up His anger. If you could fathom in some small way how warmly God truly feels about you, the faintest grasp of His immeasurable affection would reduce you to tearful wonder and heartfelt gratitude. As God's mercies are new every single morning, overflowing mercies will continue to be a constant well of refreshing comfort, encouragement, and strength. It's perfect for personal quiet times, family and dinner table devotions, and small groups. Let this devotional help you get intentional, stay connected to God, and continue loving others. Order your copy of Overflowing Mercies, 100 Meditations on the Tender Heart of God today at moodypublishers.com or wherever great books are sold. What bridge is God calling you to cross that the gospel might go forth among the nations? Women like Lilius Trotter, Harriet Newell, and Sarah Hall Boardman Judson have indeed crossed their own bridges to get to the lost. Discover the stories of 10 inspiring female missionaries who changed the world for Christ. 10 Women Who Changed the World is seminary president Daniel Aiken's powerful tribute to these women who fulfilled the Great Commission. May we all follow in their footsteps. 10 Women Who Changed the World is available wherever books are sold. I mean, I think the other part of it is that it is right now time for churches to get incredibly serious about answering the question, what is a Christian disciple Mm -hmm. and what do we need to be doing as a church in order to form Christian disciples? Mm -hmm. That's right. I think we presume that there's always an answer to that question. Um, I was watching the re, uh, re, uh, the West Wing. I'm watching the West Wing again. Yeah, you are. And do you do you remember the episode <laughs> where there Bartlett has announced he's running for the second term? He's going to run for the second term, and CJ finds out that the guy who's going to run against him, the majority leader of the Republican yep. Party, yep. he botches the question. Yes. Of oh, why do you want to be president of the United States of America? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they're the rejoicing. Question. He got the question. He got, he the, got question. the question. He got the question. He botched it. Oh me, oh my. He botched mm-hmm. the question. She's so excited. And then she goes, We have an answer to the question, right? <laughs> and and they're like, Oh yeah, it's a good one. And you know, the, the half the episode is them talking about how good their answer to the question will be. So Josh, one of the you know pre- uh, people that work for the president who's high up, goes in the office and goes, President Bartlett, uh, the the other guy got the question. I just want to know we have a good answer for the question. Uh, he goes, what question? He goes, well, why do you want to be president of the United States of America? And Bartlett just goes, I don't, because uh, he's in a moment of <laughs> he's in a moment of heat on a on a global issue. Uh, so it's like I think sometimes we walk around in church work, and I'm talking specifically to Christian leaders here in this moment, and we kind of just presume that everybody 
has an answer to the question of what is a church and what is it supposed to be doing? Mm -hmm. And then when we say make disciples, I think we all kind of presume that we all know what we're talking about when we talk about a disciple. And then even if we get clear about those first two, that the mission of the church is to make disciples and that a disciple is somebody who's a student or a follower of Jesus, very rarely then we do, then we then go, okay, great. How do we form those people here? Mm-hmm. And so there's three critical places that every church, every religious organization, every Christian organization should be asking themselves right now. Do we have an answer to the question, what is our mission as a Christian organization, specifically churches? Two, do we have an understanding of what a disciple is? Three, do we have a plan to form disciples? Because if you don't, it's not you're not going to drift towards deep discipleship in your churches. You're, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to have a plan for it. And that plan may require you to remodel some things you're currently doing. So mm-hmm. I think, where do we go from here? Every church has to look at this report and go, this is not about the other guy's church. Yeah. That's the biggest challenge, I think, when these reports come out, is we can think, that's not my church. We read right. the Bible. We teach the Bible. We Our home groups are the best, and everything's fine here. Don't look around here. Everything's fine. And and this is not meant to be a plug for one of the cohorts that we run, but if you're interested in thinking about how to do this, we would love to help you. Mm-hmm. We were in a cohort at Training the Church, and we'd love to, to jump in and just have these conversations with you. I also think one of the things that we need to talk about here, guys, that, that I met, I, this state this day of the report came out, state of theology report came out. I can't stop talking about it anywhere. I'm like teaching the Institute last night. I'm supposed to be teaching on creation and providence and the whole thing becomes about the state of theology. Oh report. yeah. I blurted it it's, out last night too. <laughs> just, it's kind of leaking everywhere that I go right now. It's like, I've got to talk about this. Is we've, one of the things that's happened is we have changed the conversation around discipleship currently in American evangelicalism because in 2020 and 2021, a lot of the political ideology litmus tests creeped their way into the life of the church. And we cared far more what people thought about social justice issues or what they thought about masks or what they thought about race or what they thought about political uh, candidates or what they thought about CRT and all of these different things. And I'm not suggesting those things aren't important. I do think we need to talk about those things. We need to be read up about those things. We need to challenge each other on those things. But to be honest with you, if you are more interested in talking about CRT in your church or social justice in your church and making that a theological litmus test for orthodoxy in the life of your church, but 50% of your people don't know what it means for Jesus to be God, then we have a serious discipleship problem. That's right. If you're more interested in talking about the political elections that are coming up in 2022 and 2024 and making that the doxological, theological, doctrinal litmus test for the life of your church, and you believe that God changes, then we're starting to talk about something that is no longer Christian, but is far more American. And we need to put the emphasis back on the noun of Christianity and far less emphasis on the adjective of American. That is well said. And in fact, if you're now sitting listening, trying to diagnose whether JT said something that was liberal or conservative, then you might be part of the problem because right. he was exactly right. he was not making a statement either direction. He was pointing to the issue of that we are often more committed to diagnosing that question than we are to these fundamental questions of our faith. Exactly. That's right. And listen, there are, if I could just, I don't want you to, I know there's a tendency here to feel like this is, we're just saying this is for everyone else. And I'm saying, no, it's for us too. We are, we are, if you are a Christian and you speak English, okay, you are a part of the most well, re, you are the most well-resourced group 
in human history to have access to the Bible mm-hmm. in every conceivable way that you could want. Do you want to listen to the Bible? Do you want to listen to the Bible with cello behind it? Do you want to listen to the Bible <laughs> in Spanish? Do you want to listen to the Bible with a male reader? Do you want to listen to the Bible with a female reader? Apparently the answer the is no, piano? not much. Not much. Mm-hmm. You, 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 could find, you can find Bibles anywhere. They've never been more available. You can find them in every form you want. The access to Christian theology in the English language is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's staggering how much content is produced. And so much of that is free. Like there's so much of it that's free. We're not even talking about stuff you have to pay for. We're just talking about do you have the internet and can you find some reliable Christian theology? And so I just want to plead with you. I'm not saying like the other guy. And I'm talking to me too. We so readily settle for distractions from deep meditation on the word of God. We do. Everyone does. And our age is an age of distraction. And yet when these reports come out, they should sober us. They shouldn't sober us because of somebody else that we're thinking of. That person really, that's the target group. They should sober us and go, how much of my attention is occupied by things that have no consequence Mm -hmm. and that should shake us and then we should begin to embody people who are sober-minded marked by wisdom and dwell on the deep things of god every single day and do you know what will become persuasive that witness do you know what we'll be prepared to do teach train evangelize disciple make catechize all of those things because the word of god will be the meditation of our heart and mind day and night and that is I think that's our appeal. So like you might read the report and be like, man, I'm not a church leader. You don't have to be a church leader to be concerned by this report. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be a church leader to be sobered up by this report. You just have to be somebody who says, you know what? I want to live out Romans 12, one through two, to not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of our mind. Um, This is a report for all of us, not just for some of us, and definitely not just for the other guy, whoever that other guy is in our imagination. You know what's great, Kyle? Tell me. Our listeners can count on us to never have hobby horses. (laughs) 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 Yep, that's true. Um, You're welcome, guys. Yeah, there you yeah. go. But apparently, go. this hobby well, horse can be ridden for a while. I mean, this thing's well, going to Apparently, have some it's legs. what all three of us have, so it was pretty easy to. Yeah. Like, okay. Know, hey, do you guys want to do a brief sermonette on something we're really angry about? We're all like, yes, <laughs> let's do this thing. Yeah, I got time for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think if the report if the report shows anything, it's that we it, it feels like we are shouting into the void sometimes. <laughs> but uh, yeah. hey, we're glad that you listened in. Thank you. Um, If you're looking for more, if somebody sent this to you, you can find Knowing Faith on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can find us wherever you get your podcast. Uh, You can check out trainthechurch.com if you're looking for some resourcing. If you are a leader in the life of your church and you want to think seriously about this question, trainthechurch.com is a great resource. I will tell you because I can plug it. It's not my book and I, I don't get anything from it. If you want to think about this for a group that you lead or for your own walk or for the discipleship in your church, you should really consider picking up Deep Disciples JT's book. It is a wonderful meditation, reflection, and kind of a constructive proposal to move forward. It wasn't written in light of this state of theology, but previous states of theology factored in heavily into what JT was thinking when he authored that book and wrote it. And so I'll plug that for him because I actually think it is really beneficial. And uh, read your Bibles and pray. There you go. There we go. All right. We hope you enjoy the discussion. (laughs) Grace and peace.